Welcome to Conversations with Owens Community College President, Dr. Dion D. Somerville. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Conversations podcast. I'm Dr. Dion D. Somerville. Thank you for listening today. Whether this is your first time with us or you're a longtime follower, we're so happy that you're joining us as we explore the issues and meet the people who are important to Northwest Ohio and to Owens Community College. Please enjoy our previous episodes and subscribe to Conversations to join us for future episodes. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Dan Kreps, Superintendent of Rossford Schools. Owens has enjoyed a strong partnership with Rossford, and we are so excited to have Dan with us today. Dan grew up in Rossford and graduated from high school there. After earning a bachelor's degree in speech and English at Wittenberg University, he went to work for a radio station in Erie, Pennsylvania, writing copy and selling advertising. After working in radio for a while, he returned to Rossford and took a job with the city's recreation department. It was there that he found his passion for working with young people. His brother Joe, who was a teacher near Dayton, persuaded him to give education a try. He enrolled at the University of Toledo full-time, then began teaching. His first teaching job was at Whiteford Elementary in Michigan. In 2013, Dan became the superintendent of Rossford Schools. Dan is a great friend to Owens Community College, and we're so grateful that he agreed to join us for a conversation. Hi, Dan. Thank you for being our guest today. Good morning, Superintendent Kreps. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me by, Dr. Somerville. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited. We have such a great relationship with Rossford Schools. You've been an incredible partner to us, not only in the time that I've been here, but historically we have such mm-hmm. a close relationship with Rossford. doesn't hurt that you're around the corner from us, but you know we're very thrilled that you're able to join us for our conversation today. One of the questions that we start with for each of our guests is to talk about education after high school. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about when in your life you realized that you needed education after high school? First of all, thanks for having me by again, and certainly we are a great beneficiary of being right around the corner from from Owens. But, you know, the appreciation for education beyond high school started right away in in our household and certainly in the school district. I'm a product of Rossford Schools, very proud uh, alum. But from the very beginning in our house, I'm the youngest of five uh, children, and it was emphasized to us on a daily basis, uh, the importance of continuing your education, whatever that would be. If you choose to uh, pursue the workforce or pursue higher education, mm-hmm. enter the military, we, we don't have any of our family members who served, but those options were always available to us in the home. Mm-hmm. But our parents were very diligent in talking about self-improvement, continuing to keep your eyes open, listen carefully, and learn. Uh, so that you can benefit from all the gifts that are around us. Mm-hmm. So that was always uh, on our radar. And then, of course, through schools, right? All of our teachers in the Rossford school system always emphasize the importance of betterment and making sure that you continue to learn throughout life. So that's something that was drilled into us, if you will, mm-hmm. but always in a compassionate way. Very grateful for that. Now, you mentioned growing up in Rossford, Mm -hmm. and you're a product of the schools that you are now superintendent of. And so talk a little bit about that. It had to be a little surreal in a way. It was. It was something as you're growing up you don't really think about, right? (laughs) Uh, But such a privilege, uh, such a privilege and an honor when the opportunity came about for me to pursue the the opportunity as superintendent. Mm -hmm. And I say that only because I was given such a great gift 
growing up in that community and learning from the great staff and teachers there. It's always been a very close-knit community, kind of the thing where the neighbor kept an eye on all the kids in the neighborhood. Um, you couldn't get away with anything? You, no, uh-uh. Um, even if you were across town, you know, um, your parents got a call if you were doing something you really shouldn't be doing. And also from a positive standpoint, people were always, again, encouraging you, seeking interest in what you were doing at school. Just a tremendous experience, K-12. The elementary I attended was just down the street, so I could walk to and from school. Same for high school and junior high, all the way through. Practices, athletic practices, everything was within walking distance. That kind of community fabric was a huge benefit growing up. The people there are just tremendous, Mm -hmm. always looking out for you and your best interests, supportive, whether you're in schools or uh, athletics or whether you'd be in one of our drama performances or the band or whatever it may be. There's a huge community support there. So, you know, I always felt comfortable and safe there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots and lots of friends from all different parts of the, the community. So when, again, that opportunity came up, it was like, wow, I have an opportunity here to, uh, in a way, say thank you Mm -hmm. and kind of give back and uh, deliver gratitude that I've always felt. That really was important to me. And it just so happened that the timing of everything fell into the right place where I felt I was ready to take on that position of superintendent and do a great job at it. I knew that, you know, people would be interested and Mm -hmm. and also the expectations I had of myself and the community would have. You want to meet those expectations. So I felt I was ready for that. That's pretty awesome. Almost like it was meant to be. I I think so. Um, There was some star alignment on that one, I (laughs) I have to believe. You know, I've I've been pretty fortunate my whole life to Mm -hmm. uh, work in great systems, I, of course, wasn't always in the educational world, and there were some steps that happened in my life that were very fortunate to direct me into this profession that mm-hmm. I really love. And so everything has been, I've been very fortunate, pretty blessed, a lot of great people that I've met that have helped me along the way, mm-hmm. uh, that I've learned from along the way. And so it's put me in this position, and it's, it's great to do it every day. Now, you mentioned that you weren't always in education. Right. And I have it on good authority that you started your career in radio. (laughs) Yeah, I did, yes. I wasn't so great at it, but boy, did I love it. Um, I can tell you that uh, uh, I had this kind of ideal version of the way radio was supposed to be, Uh uh, even through college. and, And where I was at, there was this college radio station that I was fortunate to become a part of. I had the shift where I think nobody was listening. Um, my brothers and sisters often ribbed me about that. So it's all true. <laughs> I gave it a whirl, and um, I really love music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just was the, the part about it that was so idyllic. I, I still have a great love for music, all types mm-hmm. of music. And so that's where it all kind of started. And then the idea of being you know, a disc jockey was always in my mind, and so... Mm-hmm. That gave me the opportunity at the collegiate level. Out of college then, I managed to get a position with a a station in Erie, Pennsylvania Uh that uh, had just been licensed and was getting off the ground. And I was kind of hired as a salesperson, quote, utility player. So I I wasn't (laughs) in the booth there, but um, I made friends with the on-air staff there, and they would allow me to do some different 
characters for different things they did and uh-huh. uh, record different commercials for some of the area businesses. They were very patient with me. And it's funny because they were building the studio at the time we were we were broadcasting out of like an old house in an, in the attic of this house. And, it, you know, we're talking about how we would have to make sure nobody was coming up the steps or opening doors because <laughs> the mics would pick it up to kind of give you an idea. But just great people, true professionals that were very talented on air people. And again, I learned from them. They kind of mm-hmm. gave me pointers and so it started there, but I quickly realized that that was not what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. It, for me, appeared to be very transient, you know, that there would be a lot of purchasing of different radio stations and licenses that would then create movement among staff members. And so that did occur with the station I was working at. They were purchased before the studio was even finished. Oh, wow. But again, a great opportunity, great learning experience. But I came back to the Toledo area, my home base with my family, and talked to some people in the profession, and they said that that was somewhat normal, somewhat mm-hmm. common. Again, shattering that idyllic <laughs> uh, vision I had of it. But nonetheless, I just decided I loved Northwest Ohio. I loved Toledo. Mm-hmm. I, I experienced time away, which was great, but I, I wanted to be here and pursue something else. Again, series of events following that, I moved back home and worked, and those events then led me into education. So it wasn't the snow in Erie that chased you out? It's interesting you mentioned that. (laughs) Um, That was very interesting for me as well. I was not a big fan of the tremendous amount of snow there on the edge of the snow belt. And the on-air personalities were from Buffalo, so for them, that was it, no big deal. The They'd kind yeah. of look at me strangely and say, come on, you know, get with the program, really. Um, so, well, you know, yeah. we're, we're really lucky in Northwest Ohio for a number of things. Also, not being in the snow belt, unless you're a fan of that much snow. But you talked about coming home and being back with family. And I remember my visit to the Rossford Administrative Offices Mm-hmm. and seeing the Wall of Honor, which is a beautiful display because you have different alums from, you know, all sorts of logs of life who are commemorated in this beautiful electronic wall. Mm-hmm. And so as we're kind of going through and I'm using the interactive display, mm-hmm. I remember seeing some athletic honors for another Kreps. Yeah. And so Rossford has really been in many ways a family affair. And so you told me that those weren't your honors. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Let's be very clear. Yeah. You know, I, I have to mention that that wall you're talking about, those interactive screens on the cover, our military, our distinguished alumni, and our athletics. And then we have one that's generally set up for the schools. That was through the gift of the Bulldog Foundation. Uh, the Bulldog Foundation is a 501c organization that, you know, works for the enhancement of the effort of our students mm-hmm. and our school district. So we are very, very fortunate that they're involved and responsible for that great display so people can come in and visit and build on that family atmosphere that we're very intentional about building with, mm-hmm. with our staff, with our students, with their families. That's, that's important. Moving to the screen, and that, that happens to be my brother, my older <laughs> brother. And I guess I have to say, I'm sure they're going to listen to this. All four of my siblings are wonderful <laughs> people and have great talents. But that's my brother, Joe. Tremendous athlete. Was the most gifted athlete. In the family, I believe, uh, I have also have a brother, David, who is very, very talented athletically, and as well as my sisters, were both 
great talents um, and had a lot of success at Rossford. But Joe was just, I think, gifted athletically. He went on to play football at Miami University mm-hmm. in Oxford before he was injured. That kind of mm-hmm. ended his playing career, but all-around athlete. He was also a part of that group that went through Rossford that were exceptional. Mm-hmm. And I think that is shown in the number of championships they won during that time. Yeah. Probably the one that gains a lot of notoriety is the team of 1970 that played in the state basketball final Mm -hmm. and uh, were state runner-up. But he really was quite gifted. The the other thing that I always admire more about him is he's actually the one that that sent me on the career path to education. Really? He is a retired educator. He worked in southern Ohio for 35 years as Mm -hmm. an educator before retiring. When I um, came back from Erie, and we were in my family's kitchen at, at holidays, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact. And I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, you know, Dan, you really ought to try education. You, you really should. I think you'd be great at it. Mm-hmm. So I did. I took, and the rest is history, I took right? the advice of my brother <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, so I credit him with that. Uh, more than uh, you know, the athletic ability. We do get into the sibling rivalry conversation <laughs> occasionally about that. Well, you have to, especially <laughs> when you're one of five. It's kind of like expected. Going back to the expectations within a family, um, my sisters and brothers all set high expectations. So when mm-hmm. I was the, the youngest one coming through, there was an expectation. And, um, and then, of course, within the house, it was don't embarrass us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Kind of that um, remember your last name yeah, <laughs> conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and it, it's funny because they would say that, you know, when you wear, you know, you used to put your name on the back of your mm-hmm. sweatshirt or at school stuff, and they'd say, you remember your name's on the front or the back of that jacket. That was something that the teachers at Rossford High School as well used to talk about a lot, mm-hmm. that you're representing the district. First of all, you, you're wearing the R or the Bulldog or the uniform whatever that may be, and also your family name is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure that the way you're conducting yourself reflects positively on all of it. Mm-hmm. So that that was important. What really strikes me is that Rossford seemed like it was such a close-knit community and have people who generally care about individuals, they care about the community, they care about young people, they care about each other. It's funny because I remember, you know, similar experience growing up, you know, because people have, you know, whatever stereotypes they hold of larger cities, but you Mm -hmm. still have these communities that really are interested in betterment of each other and, and the community as a whole. And so can you help me understand that was previously, here we are in a different era, how much has Rossford changed? How much is it the same? Are there still some of those core values that kind of permeate through the school district and through the community that really care about each other? Oh, absolutely. The character and the personality and the importance of uh, character still remain in the community. And some of the families, obviously, you know, with the way things have changed and the global economy and, and how people move and things like that. Some of those families uh, have, you know, moved to other parts of the country or even the region, but many of those families still remain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important part of the legacy in the community and carrying those pieces forward. But that personality is still very much there. It is evolving, obviously, which is great. Um, Some of the development that we've been fortunate to experience from an employment standpoint with mm-hmm. First Solar and Amazon and, and all of Bass Pro and all, all of these things that are continuing to come into the area in Northwest Ohio, 
we're very fortunate because I think that increases the opportunity to our school district and other school districts. We stand a better chance of keeping those graduates in our own backyard. Absolutely. Um, we have a lot to offer, and they obviously are able to benefit from all of these things, these great things that are occurring. So mm-hmm. going back to that, that community feel in our, in our community, it's still very strong there with new families joining every day and coming to the area and bringing with them strength and character and, mm-hmm. and things you, um, that a community thrives on. And we're just happy to be able to be a part of the educational process for their mm-hmm. children and certainly uh, encourage them to continue that here at Owens or any one of our other educational partners here in the area. Absolutely. Well, and we value the partnership that we have with you and other school districts, but we have a unique history because of the construction of the high school and hosting you on the Owens campus for a few years. But our partnership goes beyond just proximity and location and rental of space and such. And so can you talk a little bit about why partnership between higher education and K-12 through is so important? From the basic standpoint, working together is so much easier, and you can reap so many more benefits, and your students uh, are able to benefit much more when you're working together. We're trying to, as I said, retain or recruit students Mm -hmm. to this area, enrich their lives. But also, you know, with the changes occurring within education, as you know, Mm -hmm. um, K-12, I think not only is it just better for for us all to work together, it's somewhat necessary. Absolutely. And so that is the important part of of working together. The other part of that, too, is, as, as you can attest, we really want to open all the opportunities. So all of our mm-hmm. students that come into our district, and I know all of our colleagues in the area probably feel the same way, and you and I have talked about this a number mm-hmm. of times, right? The important part is to open the opportunities, yeah. to, to provide the foundation, obviously, but also... Our students come to us with all different sorts of needs and interests and passions. And so um, from our perspective, it's let's open their eyes to as much as that as we possibly Mm -hmm. can. Let's give them insight into a possible career pathway. That may or may not change as they continue to grow and experience different things. But it's so important for us to make sure that we're just informed. Mm -hmm. Hey, right here, yeah, it's right down the street, but I think you seem to forget all of the things Mm -hmm. that Owens offers you right here in our backyard. You don't have to go two, three hours away. Um, It's right here. And please experience that, explore that. And then as we work together, those experiences come to mind. And again, we can work together to make sure that kids get that exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just so helpful, as we just discussed earlier, right? The exposure and conversations in that community and collaboration, just that in and of itself is a benefit for kids to learn Mm -hmm. and grow from and experience and find whatever it is they want to do with their life. The interesting thing about, you know, you had talked about your career path, and I can speak to mine as well. At 16, what you think you're going to do the rest of your life may not actually be what you end up doing the rest of your life. And so I think that, you know, exposing students to a full array of opportunities, you know, knowing that there are multiple avenues for not only their career, but for their higher education and for, you know, being able to move forward. And if they change their mind, down the road, 
that there's still opportunities to come back and, you know, engage in whatever opportunities educationally in order to live the most fulfilled life that they can. And so, you know, we've talked about how, you know, Rossford as a school district is incredibly diverse. You have Mm -hmm. students from all sorts of backgrounds, all Mm -hmm. sorts of socioeconomic backgrounds, all sorts of different expectations. And so to be able to offer, you know, a diverse array of post-secondary options, I think is hugely critical. And programs like College Credit Plus or dual enrollment and, you know, co-ops, things like that are are hugely important to help students kind of get their feet wet so they're not waiting until graduation Mm -hmm. to truly begin to immerse themselves into opportunities. A lot of the collaboration we're doing also opens pathways for people that have been in in a career pathway for some time, Mm -hmm. decide to make a change and there's not a long, cumbersome process that may or may not be involved in that, they can pivot much more Mm -hmm. quickly. And speaking from a school district perspective, we benefit from all those life experiences and perhaps that other Mm -hmm. career pathway that individual has been in Mm -hmm. um, by able to accelerate the opportunity for them to gain proper licensure. So we know they're qualified and we benefit from the rich experiences that that individual brings from that other career path. Mm -hmm. And that is huge. Myself as an example, when I switched gears at that time, I often tell candidates that are talking about a possibly switching into education. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to go two years full time just to get my teaching license beyond my bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I benefited from that. It mm-hmm. was terrific. But often I think, wow, I wish there would have been some of the programs available then that are now available right. to people seeking a change to accelerate that, that we all can benefit from. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, an important part of our collaboration. Absolutely. And we've talked about preparation of teacher ed. We have a transfer program, a teacher ed um, Mm -hmm. program here. Mm -hmm. And we know that from what we hear on the news, that there's kind of a crisis occurring in, in certain fields, you know, industries throughout our country. But Education is one of those where people are reevaluating, wow, this would be a wonderful opportunity or people who are retiring and leaving Mm -hmm. education as a workforce. And you didn't start out Rossford as a superintendent. You know, you you started as a teacher. What advice do you have for people who are either thinking about education as a career path or who are interested in it? You talked about, you know, different educational pathways to licensure, but, you know, what advice do you offer people? Do it. If you're thinking about it, it is a tremendously rewarding profession Mm -hmm. that provides so many opportunities. I just think that one of the greatest impacts for me and I think others can have is helping students to create their vision for what they want to go on to do, Mm -hmm. to work with their families. I really encourage people, if they're thinking about it, to do it because it is just a magnificent profession. Mm -hmm. I like to remind people about that as well because sometimes in in media, it's not characterized that way, which which, um, is disappointing and largely, I think, uh, unfair. I Mm -hmm. I won't get on my soapbox about that (laughs) uh, this morning, but... You know, I just wish that so many people that are thinking about it, because I often talk to people who say, I wish I'd done that, but, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then I waited too long, or there was this that prevented me. And I, you know, if you really look into it closely and you're passionate or you're thinking about it, it can be easier than you really think it is to get Mm -hmm. in. And then once you're in, the rewards, the benefits. It's a great profession. Mm -hmm. I can't say enough about it. It's provided me a wonderful career, a great way to live my life. 
I really uh, encourage people. The other thing is, from a more practical sense, if you will, is that there is this tremendous shortage. Mm-hmm. Uh, just our uh, educational partner down the road, Bowling Green State University, hosted a shortage in education mm. uh, gathering of, of uh, area educators, and the problem is real. There's, yeah. there's a real shortage. And not for the reasons you might think. It's really, you know, with birth rates and the yep. number of people that are available <laughs> in the employment pool. And yet we have this great need in education. And so the positions are there. Mm-hmm. And certainly the opportunity is there for, for those people choosing. Whether you're in high school and you're thinking about a, mm-hmm. a career in education, do it. Or if you're an adult and you're thinking, maybe maybe that is for me. Maybe I would like right. to work with kids and families. I encourage you to take advantage of it. Look into it and become a part of it because it's terrific. There's something to be said for going to work every day and realizing that you really are impacting the future. Mm-hmm. You are having a direct effect on the trajectory of someone's life. Mm-hmm. And that's not to be taken lightly because education is so indicative of so many other things, you know, be it lifelong earnings, be it your healthcare outcomes, be it the potential to be involved in a crime, not even perpetrating one, but the victim of. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those are tied to the level of education you get. And so I think it's an incredibly noble profession throughout the entire continuum. And it's really interesting that you said, you know, there was this uh, conference to talk about the shortage, because if I'm remembering correctly, Bowling Green graduates more educators than probably most schools in the state. Yeah. And so for them to be paying attention to the shortage really speaks more to the, the partnerships that we have and the, the programs we have here, the, the programs that you're connected to at Rossford to be able to get more people in the pipeline. Right. That was a big part of it. And part of that conversation was, let's remind people how mm-hmm. wonderful it is despite some of the other ways it's been characterized. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Also, you know, when we talk about our own personal career trajectories, when you think back upon the people that maybe had some of the greatest influence Mm -hmm. on us, whether it be a family member and certainly people from all different professions, right, and walks of life. But for me, a lot of that, when I really started to reflect it, it happened to be educators. Right. And so part of that coming back and going into that field was I can have that same impact that those influential people in my life had on me mm-hmm. and uh, how much I respected them and revered them and how, how I benefited. Right. I thought, well, maybe I can can try to do the same thing and replicate that for people. On top of that, too, just the great relationships. This one, right, where mm-hmm. we just met when yeah. you were new to Owens. There are so many wonderful people in the profession. My wife and I were out to dinner just the other day in neighboring district Perrysburg, where I had worked previous. And there were a table of educators there kind of, you know, (laughs) having dinner and celebrating the holiday. And a few of them I had worked with in the past very closely with. And so it was neat seeing them just kind Mm -hmm. of briefly catching up. And that's always a fun part of it, too, when you bump into people that you've worked with closely and Mm -hmm. see how great they're doing and catch up on their families and all of that sort of thing. It's a, it's a neat community to be a part of. I can imagine. And I bet there's probably folks who, to where it's not only your colleagues, but former students mm-hmm. who, you know, you've had an impact on, on their life and they, you know, see you out and about. And so as you think about your career at Rossford, what are some of the things that you're most proud of that you've been able to do? I think first and foremost, the options and opportunities in working with the board, we've talked about really opening up options for our students to explore, Mm -hmm. as we talked about a little bit earlier, and and help them 
to guide them and make decisions about where they want to go next. Mm -hmm. So extremely, extremely proud of being a part of that process um, and working with staff and being involved with recruiting staff. Obviously, the facilities, Mm -hmm. um, rejuvenation there, couldn't be more proud of making that an attractive piece. Mm -hmm. And those facilities have provided us the opportunity to do 21st century learning with our students. The facilities that we had previously had really served us well over years and years and years, Mm -hmm. but they had become really difficult to deliver the kind of instruction today's students need to go into the marketplace and be successful. And so we knew that, and that was a big part of our campaign, if you will, informing people. And the community, again, graciously stood up and said, yeah, we believe in the students here. We want this. And so that facility renewal that continues even today with the complex we're putting up Mm -hmm. out at our elementary site has really helped us with that cause. So it all really starts with the student. Again, Mm -hmm. you know, people talk about buildings, and of course, that's wonderful. But for us, the mission is educating and providing options and opportunities for our kids. That was the impetus of the whole thing. And we're able to do that much better now with these, these new facilities. Now, you mentioned breaking ground on something at the elementary site. So what exactly is that facility going to be? It's um, a multi-purpose uh, mm-hmm. building. Now, you know, people automatically jump to kind of an athletic complex because many of our athletics are held at that same site. Our elementary school is located there. Our varsity track, baseball, softball is out there. And this new multi-purpose building, Yes, Mm -hmm. athletics are certainly a part of that. Where we have an indoor track, we have some indoor tennis courts coming online. There will be a 50 yards of turf. But it goes beyond that. We also have a space that is expanded for our STEM programming, Mm -hmm. which our new facilities provided an opportunity for our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And this expands that opportunity for them, which is exciting. Esports is a big, big thing coming uh-huh. on. And of course, that esports space, which is dedicated, we can do many other educational things within that space um, with computer, computer programming that we're planning for, mm-hmm. also bringing online. And that will, will provide space for our marching band in mm-hmm. some of these, the weather here, which isn't, <laughs> isn't eerie weather. Um, typically, but it'll give them an opportunity to practice. They've found great success, the marching band has, and that's a growing part of our programming, and we're Mm -hmm. excited about that. So um, in the OMEA competitions, we've done great on the state level now. Um, Mr. Kelly and company have done a great job. And so we want, again, here's an opportunity for you. You want to pursue that passion with the marching piece. So this gives you an indoor opportunity to do that during bad weather our track programs, all those athletic things certainly go a part of it. Greater space for STEM to get some more 3D printers in there and Mm -hmm. pursue that. And then looking at also, um, you know, computer programming and those types of things that Mm -hmm. uh, are going to give our kids a great opportunity. We're also looking, you know, to welcome the community in. So um, after hours, obviously our students will be a priority for that space. But we're also looking, we've talked to the city about having our community members being able to come in. And if they choose to walk or exercise, there'll be a fitness space there as well. That will be a, a neat space for them. 
Mm-hmm. But drone racing is another thing we're looking to get into. Drone racing? Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, the, the, the educational part, again, is mm-hmm. um, building the drones and learning about all those different pieces. But then something that's occurring. And there were some leagues starting up, popping up some districts in the area. <laughs> and so kids love that sort of thing. It's um, amazing how much it's changed and how it's grown. And, and it's interesting because you talk about STEM as well as things that are traditionally seen as extracurricular, but there's this holistic balance of students who are engaged outside the classroom often do better with their yes. studies inside the classroom. And there's really a, a harmony and a, a relationship that, that really connects the two. And something like drone racing or esports really can be, you know, some of those linchpins that keep students engaged. You hit on the key word there, Dr. Somerville, um, engagement. That mm-hmm. that That's another piece, right? We want to make sure that in that whole array of interests that kids come to us with, that we provide them an opportunity to be engaged. Right. To be with one another, to build community with one another and the families, obviously. Mm-hmm. Also to keep them focused and, mm-hmm. and interested and engaged. And yeah, as you mentioned, the research clearly shows the more engaged they are, mm-hmm. um, the less likely they are to, to go down a path that may not be as beneficial to them and their family and keep them away from those dangers that we know can be there if they're if they aren't engaged mm-hmm. they're more likely to yeah fall into well and, and it's interesting because the facility aspect of it you talked about how it starts with the students but I think that it's hard for people sometimes to understand that the facility can have such an impact not only on the environment but some buildings just get to a point to where it costs more to renovate or they're not possible to renovate to meet whatever your current standards or your current trajectory are, we're facing something similar with uh, nursing and our health professions. And so we're renovating what used to be our library and AV classroom to have, one, all of our health programs in one area, but just to be able to have new labs will allow us to enroll more students, like education, another area of critical need. And so Mm -hmm. it's a years-long process. It takes lots of planning, and of course, there's cost involved with it, but it's one of those things that when you think about the outcome, the learning outcomes for your students, it's worth the investment. Unquestionable. The, mm-hmm. the flexibility of the space. Now, we, we maintained and had to renovate as the community spoke very loud and clear and said, we mm-hmm. want the 22, the original high school portion that was built in 1922 to remain. That mm-hmm. was very important to them. And we promised we would do that. And we did that. Just the changes within that space are pretty incredible. And what you can do with that. In the past, any type of change we made to technology was very cumbersome, mm-hmm. very, very, almost cost prohibitive. So with the new space, we were able to switch to a one-to-one uh, mm-hmm. where every student now has a Chromebook. In our younger grades, we have to have iPads and because mm-hmm. we know that's the wave. That's, that's a part of educating our children. And so we're able to do that pretty seamlessly now. The flexibility of those spaces with the mm-hmm. new building is amazing to gather more students or be able to ex- take on more students in, in terms of enrollment. But that technology piece for us and the flexibility of the space was enormous with pathways uh, mm-hmm. to learning. Again, that 21st century piece where we can reconfigure a room and the clever touch boards that our teachers are able to use when they're thinking about how they're going to deliver a particular lesson, mm-hmm. they have other options available to them um, that go far beyond any stand and deliver method right. that, that we know is not as effective as it, as it once was way yeah. back. I'll tell you the other byproduct of this is when you do 
bring in these new facilities that I've witnessed and seen, students tend to stand a little taller and a little straighter and work a little harder <laughs> for you. I can tell you, going back to prior to us winning you know, the levy to be able to do this with our facilities, a couple of the, the things that I used to tell sadly was, especially as a graduate, is when I would bring new families moving to the area, you know, they were relocating for one of our area employers. One of the most disappointing things for me was, is they were touring different school districts. Mm. And at our downtown campus at that time, the main office was located at um, the easternmost stairwell. There were three stairwells on the front of the high school. And I can tell you that probably in eight out of 10 cases when I was touring families, probably I'd lost eight of them by the time we got to that stairwell. Mm. I was never able to get them in to introduce them to the tremendous staff and the tremendous people mm-hmm. we had within those buildings working hard on behalf of kids every day because the facilities were struggling. It was um, a barrier. Crumbling stairs mm-hmm. and very, very difficult. That also didn't match with the proud tradition that I grew up in, mm-hmm. right, in that community. So when we pointed that out, um, and there had been several factors that played into that, where mm-hmm. the school district was struggling, one of which was the Libby Owens Ford plant pulled out, you know, under economic pressures uh, of previous years. So that employment base was, was lost yeah. and, and, and all of those um, school revenues, if you will. So that contributed to that, but I, it was sad for me to walk a family up to that stairwell and I could see it on their face. It kind of the energy drained out yeah. of them. Though. Yeah, and uh, other area schools, we would lose them too. Yeah. And so that's tough. I knew we had to do something, and right. it, was, it had to be done quickly. Yeah. And so part of that was our effort of, of sharing that story with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would walk into the elementary school and go up on the third floor at what was our Glenwood campus, now our Rossford Elementary. No air conditioning. Mm-hmm. I was worried about our students because there were some days where the heat index was wow. over 100. Yeah, The fans would be buzzing. Now, this is an educational place. The fans are buzzing, <laughs> and the kids are kind of listless, and our teachers are doing their very best to uh-huh. deliver. And I walked into this one classroom, and the teacher had given the kids popsicles in an effort to keep them cooled <laughs> off. And there was a little girl sitting there, and the orange was all down to her elbow, right? And I just thought, oh, what yep. are we doing here, right? Yeah. They couldn't even eat them fast enough. They're, they're melting to the floor and all over them. So, you know, and reminding, oh, you know, we'd have to have bottled water. I mean, these mm-hmm. things sound like, oh, really? But... But when you're in that environment for mm-hmm. hours upon hours and you're looking for young people in particular, you know, as adults, mm-hmm. we can kind of adjust and, you know. Sure. But for young people to want them to engage in a history story that they really don't want to read anyway, you're, yeah. you're trying to create an environment that truly is conducive to learning. I mean, I could go on and tell spin stories forever mm-hmm. on the, on this, and, and um, but... Another tough part for us, I know, was that we were able to correct with this, with the, with our new facilities. Is whether it be students, parents, or even grandparents that came who um, may have challenges with mobility, right? Um, or perhaps we're in a wheelchair. For instance, at that elementary I just referenced, we would have to change entire classrooms if, mm-hmm. on a couple of occasions, we had um, a student who came to us who was wheelchair bound. We would have to change because. We couldn't do the elevator, and the stairwells were so narrow that when we tried to put a lift in there, it wouldn't pass fire code, right? 
when our grandparents would come to open mm-hmm. house or an athletic event, it just yep. uh, wasn't right. Uh, it, so It makes a difference. Right. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the old Ford plant. Mm-hmm. And I remember in communities where I've lived previously where superintendents literally could track their students looking at birth rates for their area and being able to track not only anticipating needs for volume in general, but as businesses came to the area, as businesses left the area, they literally would know where their students had gone, what was impacting them coming in, what was leaving. So you have that, that I don't know that people really think about, but mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you have to know how many people are in your, yes. who are going to need education. And then you think about the technology and you talked about the new facility having flexibility ability. Mm-hmm. So you take into all of that into account, plus whatever else, you know, that I haven't named, how do you know what to plan for the future and how to, you know, make sure that Rossford Schools is going to be in a good position and that what you do right now isn't going to be outdated in 12 months? A big part of it goes back to the collaboration we discussed just a bit ago, right? Uh, Making sure that we're staying in tune with people like yourself, um, Bowling Green and UT. We are very fortunate to have Penna Career Center Mm -hmm. in our backyard. So Superintendent Mm -hmm. Ewers and his team over there from the career tech end of things, making sure that we stay tuned into our legislators as well and talking to them. So the Wood County Economic Development Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, very fortunate because with all the new employment and all the new development coming in, that brings great things. It brings more students. It brings more families. That's something that is really ramping up, as you mm-hmm. know, here in the area. And so we want to make sure we're poised to not only be ready to uh, enroll those students, but also remain competitive. So all of that collaboration, networking, discussion, staying in tune with reading journals and working with our curriculum directors all Mm -hmm. over the state, Northwest Ohio. You know, there's um, a superintendent group that gets together uh, frequently um, of several districts in Northwest Ohio. It's it's called CAPE, but um, it's a great opportunity for us to share different educational approaches, but also, you know, talking to our higher ed folks and how, mm-hmm. what do you see coming? We know it's definitely going to involve technology. Absolutely. And then even then, the technology is moving at such a rate that we do have to be very intentional about what we do on a system-wide basis mm-hmm. because the speed at which it's moving we have to make sure we're kind of trying to stay cutting edge, but it, in a time frame, given the expense, how do we position ourselves to give our students the best opportunity, keeping finance in mind and all those other things you mentioned? Yeah. I, I think the number one thing is just staying open, keeping our ears open, talking to all of our educational partners, and you know, also the, our business friends with business advisory committees that mm-hmm. we're a part of in both Wood and Lucas County. Um, to hear employers talk about that uh, is really critical. Um, Absolutely. And and listening to them share their stories, too, Mm -hmm. and how we can set up our students to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. It sounds like overall having roots in Rossford and Northwest Ohio, really having a passion for what it is you do, that sense of kind of paying it back and paying it forward at the same time, as well as an eye to a future, really has been a formula for your success at Rossford School District. Mm -hmm. We're just very proud to be able to partner with you and to hopefully be an integral part of how you continue to build that success for students in Rossford School District years and years to come. 
Well, I think it's important. I wanted to make sure that I thank you, thank Dr. You. Somerville and Owens, for being such a great partner and also the great opportunities that exist here on your campuses, both here and at your Finley campus. Mm-hmm. You talked about the partnerships. We couldn't ask for a better partner. And really all the opportunities that you offer our students, it does go beyond location. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about the old catchphrase, location, location, location. That's certainly an important part for us, but perhaps more important is, you know, the opportunities and options you provide our graduates and everyone in Northwest Ohio. So I look forward to continuing our partnership with you and the great place here you have at Owens and always ready to continue to tackle any of these future challenges we may experience. Thanks for allowing me to come in and talk. I encourage people to check it out over here because you have a lot of great opportunity here for kids and and adults. We appreciate that. We appreciate the partnership. And I'm thrilled that you were able to come join us on Conversations today. Thank you so much. Always. Thank you. Dan, thank you so much for being with us. Every time we talk, I'm struck by your commitment to students, to quality education, and to our greater community. We're very grateful for your partnership, and we thank you for your time today. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please remember to subscribe and join us for future conversations. Next time, we'll be talking with Jack Hershey, President and CEO of the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Until then, take care.